0: The following program was pre-recorded and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no
1: Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin.
0: And welcome to Education America, where we are taking steps to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Come along with us every Saturday night here on AM 1280 The Patriot at 6 p.m., well, K-12 through education is the playing field, and as the 16th President Abraham Lincoln so rightly stated, he said, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. I want to turn to my co-host and founder of Liberty Classical Academy, Rebecca Hagstrom, where tonight we have the privilege of speaking with two ladies dedicated to restoring the black community's cultural roots of faith, family, and education. They are involved with an organization called Take Charge Minnesota, and their names are Elfrida Baldwin and coffee
1: hmm And Alfreda is a Ch- Chicago area native, a retired attorney who served in the role of in-house counsel at Securian Financial for 32 years. After retirement, Baldwood started s- vol- volunteering in her son's, uh, actually grandchildren's, I think, school district and spending time with elementary students caused her to reflect on the education she had received while attending a Lutheran grade school. And it led her to want to start a Christian school accessible to Families of all ethnic and financial backgrounds. And she's currently working on a project to open a K 8 micro school in the Twin Cities. And she also serves on the board of the Minnesota South District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Elfrida Baldwin is a wife, mother, and a grandmother.
0: In addition to her work with Take Charge Minnesota, Coffee Monska is an attorney. And Coffee and her husband have three teen boys, ages 13, 15, and 17. And her oldest has special needs. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Education America.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for being
2: here. Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah. So we're just going to jump right in because we know you both have so much to say and we're so excited to be able to hear from you this evening. So let's begin by having both of you share your personal stories as it pertains to education. Why do you think a good education is so important and especially to you? I can go
2: first. Sure. Um, education was my emancipation. I grew up with a mom who was on drugs. Um, mm. You know, I saw lots of hard times. We, She would change the tags. Back then we had tags on food. That's how old I am. But oh, she what? would change the price tags <laughs> to get cheaper price for food oh, and steal things yes. oh, my uh, for money. We would, um, yeah, like we were not doing very well. Mm-hmm. and um, And I just, I remember like we would, there we slept, we had a one bedroom apartment and my mm-hmm. sister and my mom and I all slept in one bed and i thought that oh, was normal Right. but the other day i looked yeah. back at it and i was like that was kind of different i <laughs> didn't even know
1: you they, know I they call it, that the family bed now right exactly <laughs> i didn't
2: realize how how odd that was but right. anyways mm-hmm. i did know that that lifestyle was not good and i right. did not want to repeat a lot of the things that i saw and i just mm-hmm. remember watching burning bed and seeing i want to be a lawyer i i just i saw yeah. education and being a lawyer yeah as my way out. And my dad did move, take me away from my mom Hmm. and moved us to a nicer neighborhood where I did get a better education. But I just feel like people shouldn't have to move to get a better education. Absolutely. And then, you know, even then I had a lot of challenges, but I really focused on school because I saw that as a way out so that I wouldn't repeat patterns that I Mm -hmm. saw in my life. So Mm -hmm. that's why education is so important for me. I feel like it can be the way out for other kids, too.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, look at where you are. Here you are, an attorney, and you are working, I think, full-time, and you're also working for your own nonprofit, uh, you and the other ladies, the Exodus Program, and working on school choice and the difference that you are making. And, you know, I just want every child to have that same kind of hope and that understanding, exactly like you say, that education is so important. Um, Alfreda, can you tell us a little bit about your story as well?
3: Sure. Um, well, I was fortunate to have a very different sort of childhood. Um, I grew up with my mom and dad in a suburb of Chicago, and it was a um, a working-class black neighborhood um, where really all of the adults, I, I believe, placed a high value on education. And, you know, it was the kind of thing where you – You had the mindset of, I want my kids to have more than I had. And so there was an emphasis on upward mobility and an understanding that education was a way for that to happen. Um, So my parents had a high school education, but they certainly wanted me to be able to get a college education and, you know, do whatever I wanted as an adult. And so um, I started out in the public school system, um, but at the end of third grade, um, the district changed the boundaries and they were going to send me to a school that my parents did not think was a very good school. And so they took me out of the public school system and found a little Lutheran school, not very far from where we lived. Um, but I recall, you know, having to pay that tuition, um, was a sacrifice for them and one that they had to, uh, take an extra job to, um, to be able to pay that tuition. And, Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it, they never let me forget you know how how much they valued education and the sacrifices they made for me to get a good education so it motivated me to work hard and study hard and um i just always kind of think about this as this is the inheritance i got from my parents mm-hmm. um that under, and, and really from you know from them coming from people who were not allowed to learn Right. Um, I just look at it as shame on me or any of us who don't take uh, advantage of that opportunity to get an education that we have today. Right.
1: Oh, so true. And, um, and same thing for you. You accomplished a successful legal career, and now you are planning mm-hmm. to start a micro school of your own so that you can help in, instill those values into other students and other children. Exactly.
0: You know, the, the two of you have been on this journey in discovering the importance of additional options for families and choosing the best education for their children. As, you know, Coffee was saying earlier, it shouldn't be that, uh, you know, there's some places where you can get a good education, other places that you can't. But, mm-hmm. you know, school choice is a very hot topic uh, today for giving those additional options. Why is school choice important in your view?
1: Yeah, do you want to start, coffee?
2: Um Yes. Like I said before, I don't think that um people should be stuck in a school based on their zip code and based on where they they can afford to live in areas where there are good schools you know the houses are worth more people right. are moving there and it just shouldn't yeah. be that way there should be a chance for kids who are in a in a neighborhood and they're, they're low income to do better than their parents they shouldn't be stuck to a life of generational poverty right. because they're stuck in these failing schools mm-hmm. i also think that all kids are different and mm-hmm. so even in my family My kids all attend different schools because Mm -hmm. they're different. My youngest was in our neighborhood school, and he felt like he wasn't getting a good education. He was Mm -hmm. sick of sitting on the sidelines while the teachers helped the students who needed more help. And he was more accelerated in math. And he saw a school, a charter school, that he knew of where his friends were going, some of his friends. This was from his basketball team. And Mm -hmm. he wanted to go there for a better education. And so... You know, all kids are different. My other one, social, was more important. So I kept right. him with his friends. My youngest, Luke, he didn't care if he had any friends. He wanted a better education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I have a kid with special needs um, who our local school district didn't work for him. There was only one classroom in the entire district for kids like him. So if it hmm. didn't work out there, I was stuck to right. that For the, unless I could get out. Right. So, um, yeah, so I just feel like us parents, we know our kids best. And, yes. and if the neighborhood school doesn't work for them, We shouldn't be forced to keep them there. Mm -hmm. And also I think school choice is important for values. Every family has different values. And sometimes the schools teach things that they don't – that are not in line with those. Mm -hmm. And I think that parents should be able to pick a different place, especially considering the diversity in this country and and how we all have different beliefs. And you think people who respect diversity would would also realize that kids are different and that families and cultures are different in what they value. Yeah,
1: yep. For a culture that values choice, supposedly – um, it's amazing how we have this monopoly in education by the public or the government-run public schools. Yeah, doesn't provide a lot of choice for sure.
0: And how about for you, Alfreda? Why why is school choice so important to you?
3: Well, I think uh, for really the reasons that Coffee expressed. Um, when I was growing up, the the word equity was wasn't being thrown around as it relates to you know differences between um, blacks and whites. We talked about equal opportunity. And that's that's the concept that I still uh, value: um, equal opportunity and fairness. And I don't think it's fair that a family's bank account size dictates whether or not a child gets a quality education. Right. Um, if you happen to live in a zip code and your assigned school is a low-performing school. Um, just because your parents that's all they don't have the money to send you somewhere where else that it's just not right that you should be stuck there yeah you know i think about um at the beginning of the program um rebecca said i was volunteering in my grand um children's school and actually at the time i did not have um grandchildren oh
1: sorry um, about that <laughs> I, that's okay
3: um, i do now have a toddler grandchild um but you know as i'm watching what's going on in that school and this is not in a poor performing school there's just other stuff going on that i didn't like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i kept thinking about well if if my son and his wife couldn't afford to to send our child or grandchild to a better school grandma and grandpa would help out
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: and then i just started thinking well what about the people who don't have a grandma and grandpa right. who can help out
1: mm-hmm. and
3: so it just Mm -hmm. I'm big on fairness and equal opportunity, and it just weighed on my heart that we've got this monopoly of public education where some people are forced, because of compulsory education laws, Mm -hmm. to continue sending their kids to schools that just aren't going to help them have that upward mobility.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. It just isn't right. I agree. Well, back in April, uh, the Minnesota Senate passed an education omnibus bill that featured the creation of education savings accounts, ESAs, um, for future reference. And for our listeners who may not be familiar with ESAs, what are education savings accounts and how would they benefit families looking to change schools? Either one of you is fine.
2: Well, education savings... Let
3: coffee take
2: it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Education savings accounts. Um, there's a taxpayer amount of per student amount of money that each student has, mm-hmm. and so with ESAs, it would allow for about eighty three hundred dollars to be a year to mm-hmm. go with each child to a private school setting, or to use for homeschool or for other private mm-hmm. settings
1: to learn. Which is a huge amount, by the way. Yes, mm-hmm. and
2: and then eighty six hundred would stay with the school, so mm-hmm. only the. Um, the state dollars go, and the federal and local dollars stay at the school. So actually, there's more money left mm-hmm. for the students left behind, and there's less students to yes. serve with that money. Yes. Um, one of the main arguments against this is that it will gut the school. So I was talking to my yep. representative in my area, um, mm-hmm. Isaacson, and he, I wrote him a letter, and he wrote back and says, "I don't," and he said, "I don't support education savings accounts. They take money from the public schools, <laughs> but that's not necessarily. He was not
1: very well educated on what they really were. Yeah,
2: that's not necessarily accurate. It's not mm-hmm. going to gut." Yeah, the public school system. Mm-hmm. But even if it did, I mean, if the school was performing well, people wouldn't leave, right? That's so. The whole- that's another reason why it wouldn't gut the system. Schools that perform well, people won't leave. If, if a school did happen to close because it wasn't educating students, which
1: mm-hmm. is its only purpose, right. right? So be it. Exactly. Yeah, we aren't. I, I know we've been saying this and hearing this through other organizations. We're not funding systems. We're we're supposed to be funding students. And I think that um, people get confused about that a lot, and they they think of the public school system as a system. But there are students in that system, and if they're not getting an education, they need a way out.
2: And this is not foreign. Money – when a kid goes to a charter school or a different school district, the money follows them also. So this concept is not – you know, crazy. Right, strange. it's not new.
1: Yep. Yes, and there's ESAs all over the country. I don't know if we're going to be talking about that a little bit later, but um, that's something that's important for our listeners to know that this is not new here, uh, or new in our country either. Um, ESAs are in many, many states across the country, and
2: since COVID, th- there's three states working on them right now.
3: Yeah, in addition, that's great, just because of this. Yeah,
1: that's good. Okay. And Alfreda, would you like
0: to add it all to that? Or?
3: Well, you know, I just listening to this conversation and thinking about the argument that it guts um, public schools, the compulsory education law says you have to send your child to a school. It doesn't say you have to send them to a public school. Right. Mm -hmm. We're all paying taxes. Why not let people use their tax dollars to send their child to whatever school they want? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why does it have to be a public school? Yeah. That's right. Um, It just, and that's. You know, the whole point of education savings accounts is that it is giving people back some of their tax dollar and letting them have control over where what they spend it on for mm-hmm. their child's education. Mm-hmm.
1: Not to mention the fact that some of the worst districts, the worst performing districts, have been getting the most money. Uh, Minneapolis, yes. I believe, spends $25,000 per pupil. Um, that's much more than almost all but the very most elite private schools in the Twin Cities. Um, and yet their performance is abysmal. So it certainly isn't about money. They they've had the money and they're still not performing. Mm-hmm.
0: You know we're we're right. touching a little bit on this this disconnect that exists between politicians. You know they they state though you'll you'll hear them they say they care about uh, the disadvantaged. Um, and in and in ultimately, you think about this disconnect. How is it then that they will not? Stand on the side of school choice, I mean this has to be just a complete control of wanting to not lose control essentially <laughs> i don 't want an educated populace i, yeah. I, I don 't understand what else it could be other mm-hmm. than wanting to control
3: mm-hmm. well what 's so interesting to me is i was as I was thinking about this interview, um, I was reminded that Arnie Duncan, who was the Secretary of Education under President obama mm-hmm. um, sent his kids to a private school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, think about it. The secretary of education who's overseeing the public school system Mm -hmm. um, is sending his children to a private school.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. And so was Obama, by the way, who supposedly... so was Obama. And so
3: you Mm -hmm. really have to question what is this all about, um, especially when survey data shows that um, particularly black parents want school choice Mm -hmm. um it's it is puzzling you have to wonder you know is it just um that there are forces that make big contributions to politicians that um they they listen to and they don't listen to parents um it's just an odd it's an Uh odd situation Mm -hmm. follow the money
1: Yeah. We talk a lot about unions um, giving lots and lots and lots of money away. They give millions and millions and millions of dollars away. And when you look at the data on that, it's like 98% of it goes to Democrats. And these are the two teachers unions, the two national teacher unions. And so I think that's one of the big things that we have to really look at is, um, like you say, follow the money. And um, they may you know, in intellectually agree that there should be choices, but because the unions support so many of the Democratic candidates in the case of um Obama, he's not gonna come out against um the unions. So um, right. it's it's like the death knell for them. So it's 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 a really difficult situation.
0: And unfortunately teachers are dragged into that as well because their teachers' unions dues. They really yeah. lose their First Amendment right to say where their money is going to go, and if they disagree with the policies of the Democratic Party and what the teachers unions are pushing, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The money that they're paying in dues is still going to those causes.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, oh, go ahead. Yes. Yeah. For, so, I
2: mean, yeah, and I just, I just wanted to talk about the proficiency rates of this yes, of the um, kids of color. Mm-hmm. Um. So just. Just as far as black kids go in the Minneapolis Public School District, mm-hmm. um, the stats from the Department of Ed are for math, seven. there's 74% of whites are proficient and 15% of blacks. And for reading, 86% of whites are proficient and 30% of blacks. So I just want to go to one of these pe- representatives. And I've been trying to get a meeting with my own. He hasn't replied to me he yet. He still hasn't. But I, would, I really want to know. I just want to know, you say you care so much about people of color and I see you, I hear you, I stand with you. I
1: really want things to be better for you. And you see the BLM sign in my yard. And then you see
2: 15% are competent in math and 30% reading. And you and you have the opportunity to vote on something to allow these kids to get out of these failing right. schools, right. and you right. say no. Right. And so I I'm curious, like I want to know, like please tell me with your mouth mm-hmm. how you think this is a good idea to mm-hmm. say no to this. Mm-hmm. Like how are you not a hypocrite? Yeah, tell me exactly. I want to hear it from yep. the governor also. Right. Yes, tell me because honestly well, I, mean, I don't understand. Right. Like, I might be really right. stupid. I just want to understand because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense when you look at the numbers and also. Um, this is truly a bipartisan issue mm-hmm. when it comes to people. Every single liberal friend I have who lives in a bad neighborhood or lives mm-hmm. where there's a school that might not serve their kid well for one yeah. reason or another, they look for a better option. Yeah. And so I know that all parents I was talking to a lady at a track meet. She moved mm-hmm. her kids out of the Saint Paul public schools because her daughter hadn't worn it in year and they were having discipline issues there. Mm-hmm. So I with with the other kids and so It bugs me that all of society seems to value getting the best education for their child, but it's just Democrat politicians.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, They won't. They, don't, they They won't jump through that hoop. But and, I hope they do. I mean, I'm yeah. praying that they will change. Right. Well, but... that's the whole reason why we're doing this show and trying to get your voice out there because it's true. We need people to hear these statistics. And I want to say that again, Coffee just said 15% of black children or minority children in Minneapolis pass their math tests and only 30% pass their reading tests compared to white kids at 74%. Hold on to that for a moment. That is that is shocking, and those numbers are horrible. We have covered that on this show in the past, and we need people to start getting angry. We need people to start getting angry. It's the only way it's going to change.
3: And, well, and there's, there's another piece to this, if I may um, yeah. jump in. So we know that literacy is tied to incarceration rates. Mm, good point. And, we, you know, you hear about this school-to-prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. Well... <laughs> If you have students who are not proficient in reading, they're more likely to end up committing crimes and end up in prison. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: We know that the private schools, their test scores are better. Yeah. So why not give these parents a chance to give their kids uh, an opportunity to go to a school where maybe they can get out of that school to prison pipeline Mm pipeline?
1: One hundred percent. Yes. And I think that's a really important point, because right now we're in a country where we're looking at prison reform because we say our prisons are too full. Well, if we really think that, that maybe the number one thing we should be doing is providing a real education to Mm -hmm. all of these kids uh, so that they don't end up in prison. I think that's a really important point. Yeah, we're sitting
2: there scratching our head at all of the shootings that are going on in Minneapolis and St. Paul. And we wonder, what are these people going to do? They don't know how to read or write.
1: Yeah. They have no opportunities. Right. No and wonder so. they're frustrated too, right? Mm-hmm. It's not their fault. It's not their fault that they're stuck in these schools. Yeah. Um Well, I feel like we've kind of covered this already. We were talking about the fact that we feel like school choice has now become a really urgent issue. And I think you've both really done a great job of explaining why it's become an urgent issue and um, one thing to maybe just add on top of that is that we're talking now about the inner cities mostly, but when you look at the suburban population, Alfreda, you mentioned that you were seeing some of the things, some things in these suburban schools that you weren't happy about too. So I just want our listeners to understand that um, things like critical race theory and other um, issues that are affecting the the curriculum outside of the inner cities is making. Uh, suburban people as frustrated and also wanting to have school choice. So I think it really is an urgent issue.
0: And then on top of that, too, you have uh, COVID over the last year. I mean, how how do you ladies feel that um, school choice desire has grown in the face of how COVID has really exasperated uh, the learning deficiencies that we're seeing in schools across the state and the country?
3: Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you know, I... If I were a public school parent, I would be furious because the private schools have been open all year long. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Open and and very few need to shut down because of of COVID cases. So Mm -hmm. if you had the money to go to a private school, your kid has not had a year and a half of basically learning loss.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, I believe, the teachers unions behind why these schools did not reopen. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's just not okay. I think it's exposed to many parents the uh, attitude of the unions that apparently doesn't really care about its students. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. And that's, I, I do believe that that comes down to just exactly what you said, the unions once again. Go ahead, Mark. I was just let's gonna add there's, there's a lot
0: of pressure over the last couple of weeks has was put on Randy Weingarten of yes. the American Federation yes. of Teachers. Yes. And guess uh, what? She's now been very she vocal. says now she says, Oh, let's open up all the public schools again right. in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: well, they're realizing all the school districts are losing students, and that's not just in Minnesota; that's mm-hmm. nationwide. And uh, parents, as Coffee has said, parents want choice for their families. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we as we've discussed all the many reasons why we think school choice is important and the advantages of it, what are some of the reasons why people would actually oppose school choice? You mentioned Coffee a little earlier that um, the legislators were concerned about. Uh, gutting the public schools. You know, talk to us a little bit more about that or if there's other reasons that you think might be why people are opposed.
2: Yeah, I mean I think the gutting the schools is one of their big reasons and we already talked about that, that more mm-hmm. money stays behind than it actually goes and it will serve less students. Mm-hmm. And also they talk about like, oh, the schools will be gutted and All the poor kids and the kids of color will just be left behind. And I just Mm -hmm. feel like that's a very racist argument Mm -hmm. to assume that people of color or poor people, for that matter, they're poor. They're not evil. Right. To say, you know, they don't love their kids. They're just going to leave their kids rotten in their schools. They don't want their kids to have better opportunities. Mm -hmm. And it's shown that when when people of color have opportunities for school choice, even with charter schools, the charter Mm -hmm. schools are full of kids of color. Mm -hmm. So parents do move their kids. And I just think it's racist to say that they would just leave them there if given the opportunity to to leave and mm-hmm. as you mm-hmm. said already, the you know, more money is not the problem. Right. Because the school with the most the schools with the most money perform the, the worst. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. The poorest. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We are we're running out of time here, Mark. Yes, we we are. To- <laughs> Very quick, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um you know charter schools, they're the main option really for school choice here in the state of Minnesota. Um, charter schools, I mean, it seems pretty clear that it's not sufficient as a primary viable avenue for school choice. Is that uh, an accurate statement for me to make, especially given uh, the demand that is growing? There's for great schools?
2: demand. I mean, there's a yep. lottery, Mike. We had to mm-hmm. do a lottery to get into one of our schools. Sure. And the other one was first come, first serve, where we had to – parents waited outside for days to get in. They had tents. They rented mm-hmm. porta potties mm-hmm. I got there yeah. at, like, 5 in the morning, 4 in the morning in the dark. And just – I was wow. so lucky that my kid's grade hadn't filled up. But it shouldn't be like that. No. So there is – way more demand than we have charter schools mm-hmm. and it's basically like winning the lottery these days to be able to get a better education for your
1: kids. Yes, absolutely. And I would love and our listener- they want to put. Oh, a- I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say Waiting for Superman is a great movie for people to watch about that very issue. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. Alfreda. Well,
3: and plus they're pushing back and wanting to have a moratorium on new charters in the first place. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: they're trying to know, shut it I- down.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're trying to. They're trying to make the only option be these public schools where, quite honestly, the unions are calling the shots. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Not the teachers, the unions.
1: Well, we have about one minute left. Can the two of you tell our listeners what they can do to show support for school choice? What can they do?
3: I would say write your, your representatives.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, send letters to the editors.
1: Yes, that's uh,
3: good. I, I think parents just have to band together and be louder than the teachers use. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree.
2: And I say ask for meetings with your legislator. They have these, like, form letters they send back to everybody all the time about school mm-hmm. choice, and yeah. they they represent you. You know, and my representative said, well, I don't believe in that. Well, I do, and you represent me. So mm-hmm. I need a better explanation besides this is what you like. <laughs> that's a
1: very good point. And so
2: and you can maybe yeah. get a better understanding where they're coming from and, and convince them. And you can also go to the exodusmn.org, and um, we have a sign-up area there, and you can put your information in there. So that we, can, we can, in the Exodus movement, there's five of us ladies, so we can contact you and keep you up to speed on what we're doing.
1: Yeah, that's so important. exodusmn.org. Very good.
0: Well, that's all the time we have uh, for this week on Education America. I want to thank you both, Alfreda and Coffee, for this wonderful discussion. It's always just wonderful to hear from people that are on the front line that are fighting for school choice and to really just reiterate their personal experiences that change has to come. Mm -hmm. Certainly feel free to follow us at education-america.org. You can also catch up with us up on Twitter and Instagram as well. And And Facebook. And Facebook. Mm -hmm. And we will see you next week, same time, same channel. Mm -hmm.